<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right. Looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode. I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time, you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. All right, all right, cut it. Cut it, cut it, cut it. We're not doing any, we're not, we're not doing any cute intros. I'm not putting any work in to do any sort of nice little intro with music or any sound. This is JSC Radio episode 71, and we're cutting the bullshit and getting right down to business. I want to thank those of you who support the show on all the podcast outlets, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, every single app that picks up this show, whether it's something I set up or something that's just grabbed off of the internet and set due to the RSS feed. If you're listening to this shit, thank you. I appreciate it. Please go support the Patreon at patreon.com slash Radio. Be sure to support the website, jscottsmith.com. All right, now that we got that out of the way. What happened on Sunday with Michigan State University? Because this show was originally going to talk about the shit heap that the Pistons have turned into. That'll come second half. Michigan State University basketball, for the first time, probably since I was in high school. So this is 93, 94. For the first time in about a quarter century, Michigan State University basketball looks like dog shit. Flat out. What happened on Sunday was an abomination. What happened on Sunday was an insult. What happened on Sunday was gross. It's one thing for MSU basketball to get beaten by a superior team. I've seen it happen a number of times in the last 20 plus years. It happened in 1999 with Duke. I've seen it happen multiple times in North Carolina. I've seen them lose to superior teams in Big Ten play like in 2005 with Illinois. I've seen them get beat by really, really, really good teams. Hell, I've seen them get upset. And there's, in theory, nothing wrong with being on the business end of an upset. It happens. George Mason, 
who went on a magical run to the Final Four. I get it. Middle Tennessee State, not so much. But Middle Tennessee State needed the best goddamn day of their goddamn lives to do it. MSU scored 81 points in that game. Any other time when those two teams would have met, 81 points would have meant they won the game by 30. Middle Tennessee State played the game of a lifetime and beat them 90-81. This is two years ago. I could live with that because Middle Tennessee State needed to throw everything up there and everything went in and they caught every break to win only to go out two days later and get the shit kicked out of them and lose by 25. Admittedly, that bothered me a little. Well, no, it bothered me a lot. I get last year. Kansas was a better team. MSU wasn't exactly ready. Miles Bridges looked really good. But that team wasn't ready for prime time. This year was prime time. 30 wins. Won the Big Ten Championship. Spent pretty much the whole damn season in the top 10 and most of it in the top five and in a couple of instances as the number one overall team in the country. And as much as I want to make fun of the University of Virginia for going out there and getting beaten by a community college in the first round of the NCAA tournament, being the first number one seed to ever get popped by a 16, I can't. Because I sat here and watched Michigan State University lose a game to a Syracuse team that was probably worse than the 16 seed that beat Virginia. That was not the Syracuse teams of past. That was not the Derek Coleman Syracuse teams. That was not the national title Syracuse teams we saw. That's not the Syracuse that strolled into the Breslin Center with Carmelo Anthony where he single-handedly kicked the crap out of the Spartans. That's not one of those Jim Beheim specials. What what I saw on Sunday from Syracuse set the game of basketball back 25 years. That Syracuse team is awful. Terrible. And any MSU team worth its salt would have smashed them into the ground. Instead, I'm sitting here pissed off Because talent-wise, one of the best MSU teams to come down the pike since probably 2001, and I'm including the two Final Four teams, three of the Final Four teams, I forgot, they've made the Final Four three times or four times since then. I'm including those Final Four teams in that grouping. Maybe the best team talent-wise since 2001 just went out there and scored 53 points against a dog shit Syracuse team and lost in the second round of the damn NCAA tournament at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. So you embarrassed yourself in my damn city to boot. For the first time, probably in Tom Izzo's tenure, I saw an MSU team turtle under pressure. I saw an MSU team get scared. I saw an MSU team turtle up, fall to the ground in the fetal position. Syracuse is not that good of a defensive team, but I did not see a single attempt to adjust to that zone of theirs. Why is Ben Carter on the floor instead of Jaron Jackson, who's likely a top three to top five pick in the NBA draft? Why isn't Miles Bridges at the top of the key? Why is Ben Carter in the game at all? 
Xavier Tillman's a pretty good player. And if the young man wants to stick around, he probably will end up being a damn good post guy for MSU. He's got more post moves than Andre Drummond. I'll put it like that. But he did not need to be out there in a situation where you needed all your shooters. And I don't mean just in terms of basketball. You needed to go down guns blazing. This is the first time I've seen an MSU team get scared. A Tom Izzo team in a situation like that, normally that's when you let them hang. That's when you find a way to break zones. That's when you get more aggressive. Instead, they spent about 90% of the second half of that game just simply walking it up the floor, passing it around the perimeter, and jacking up some ill-advised three. They missed 14 consecutive shots to end the damn game. 14! You kidding me? You can't miss 14 straight shots in a video game. You can't miss, if you go out onto a basketball court right now, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're an NBA player, college player, or some ham and egger on the street. If you go onto a basketball court right now, right now, and if somebody guards you, they make a difference who they are. You couldn't miss 14 consecutive shots. You couldn't. You'd bank one in. And you would think after you missed the fifth or sixth straight three-pointer that you might, you know, I don't know, try a different approach. And then Tom Izzo's just standing there watching. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. So I'd never seen that from an MSU team. Not a Tom Izzo MSU team. I'd seen that from a few of Judd Heathcote's teams in his final years. Back when they were losing to Weber State in the first round of the tournament and staggering into the NIT and getting beat, and nobody gave a damn. But to, to put that sort of an effort up in an eminently winnable game against Syracuse, it's just it, it, that was disgusting. It was disgusting. It was terrible to watch, and it's, a, it's kind of a referendum on the MSU Hoops program as a whole. Because, and it pains me a lot to say this, I really kind of feared the last couple of years. I just never said this out loud, but I've really, really feared the last couple of years that the worst case scenario is, is that MSU basketball doesn't turn into this team that just falls off the table. They're not going to turn into Illinois or Rutgers or Northwestern. They're not going to be Nebraska. They're not going to be what Iowa was this year. They're not going to suddenly plummet off the table and out of the tournament. The thing that I fear MSU basketball turning into, honestly, I fear MSU basketball turning into Michigan football. And here's what I mean. You know how long it's been since MSU won that national championship? It'll be 18 years in about a week. The 18th anniversary is coming. 18 years. All you hear about is 2000. Or all you hear about are the Final Fours, which not shitting on the Final Fours. Those are great. But more and more, because now this is three years without a Sweet 16. Izzo had never gone more than two until now. This is three years without a Sweet 16. Three. And in two of those three years, they got beat by a team that wasn't half as good as they are. Middle Tennessee State played the game of their life and they won. At the time, one of the greatest upsets in college basketball history. Thanks to Virginia, that got wiped right off the table. 
But Syracuse is different. This is a Syracuse team that knew they were going to lose. They went out there and were prepared to do the J-O-B. And MSU wouldn't let them. And then they said, all right, the hell with it. Let's do it. I fear that MSU football has surpassed MSU basketball in terms of importance and relevance. And the MSU basketball program, one of the premier programs in this country for almost a quarter century, is about to turn into Michigan football. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. Michigan football, which all they do is talk about the shit they used to do, who they used to be, about all their 13 or whatever national championships, 12 of which they won prior to World War II. And the only one that they got after World War II, they shared with Nebraska. They call themselves the leaders in best. They just expect that when they walk out on the field and roll out the ball and put on the helmet, that everyone's going to bow down to them. That year after year after year after year after year, they get all these damn five-star recruits and five-star players to come to the program. And what happens? When it really matters, they go out there and get punched in the face and turtle up. They put up a bunch of nice little victories. They get the undue high ranking every single year, regardless of how good MSU is, regardless of how good Wisconsin is. Hell, regardless of how good Penn State is, Michigan has just always shoved up everybody's ass into the top of the list, only for them to crumble at the first sign of adversity and get beat by the first team that has a pulse. Oh, he has trouble with the snap! I don't want MSU basketball to become Michigan football. I don't need Tom Izzo turning into Jim Harbaugh, where you get all this hype, you hear about all these accolades, albeit Tom Izzo's actually won stuff. Tom Izzo's actually won Big Ten. Hell, he just won one this year. Tom Izzo's won Big Ten championships. He's actually done something in the postseason, which is far more than I can say for Harbaugh or anybody at this this point. But what the hell was that on Sunday? Was that Tom Izzo or was that Rich Rodriguez? Was, was, was that Miles Bridges or was it Tate Forcier? What the f- was that, Michigan State? Huh? I had plans on, at the very least, them getting to the second weekend. Duke would have been a tough road to hoe. I will fully acknowledge that. Duke was the team, and I said it on RVN TV. Duke was the team that scared me more than anything else because I figured MSU was going to walk through the first two games. They ran right over Bucknell and then fell asleep at the wheel and crashed into a damn ditch against Syracuse. That's garbage. What happened on Sunday was total garbage. And now I got to sit here with friggin' Michigan basketball in the Sweet 16. Mind you, I think Texas A&M is going to kick the crap out of them. But they're in the Sweet 16 by a wing and a prayer thanks to a kid hitting a three at the buzzer to keep them from being on the Summer Jam screen too. Michigan basketball has now been to more Sweet 16s than MSU has in the last five years. What the fuck is that? Huh? What is that? That's garbage. Friggin' garbage. Now you gotta sit here with every reporter at the Detroit Papers with, uh, with their schwanz in one hand and a bottle of lotion in the other talking about Michigan basketball. 
while MSU basketball, the premier program, not only in that state, but really the program that's been carrying the damn flag for the Big Ten for most of the last 20 years, sitting on its ass at home because suddenly, magically, Syracuse had the greatest defense in the history of basketball in their eyes. And yes, there were bad calls. Miles Bridges getting basically tackled when he got the rare wide open look on a layup stands out more than anything else. But they had no business having that game be competitive. They got up six midway through the second half, and I thought, okay, now they're finally going to close this thing out and get it over with. But they just let them hang around and couldn't hit a shot. Syracuse couldn't hit the damn ocean from the boat either, by the way. It's just, it's outlandish. Yeah, I'm pissed. Yeah, I'm hot. Football season eight for six damn months. Baseball season's about to start, but the Tigers are going to be hot dog water for the next three to four years. Pistons are trash. I'll get to them second half of this show. Hell, Red Wings are basically MIA. Not going to see them for at least another two years. Got the Detroit Lions with football season again. Don't start for six months. And hell, it appears that maybe they've kind of gotten their shit together. They got rid of Eric Ebron, but I don't give a shit about Eric Ebron. Not that I ever gave a shit about Eric Ebron, but I don't give a shit about Eric Ebron right now. I don't want my basketball program to become a shell. Living off past glory. Talking about what they used to be. Talking about how they're the greatest program because hashtag reasons. Bragging about championships that they won when high-definition TV wasn't a thing. When the internet was just a baby. When I had a full head of hair and Tom Izzo's head was all black. I don't hear that shit. We're not Michigan football. I don't want to see this program turn into Michigan football. And in a way, it's nice to talk about the actual basketball program and not about anything dealing with that scumbag Larry Nasser or, or Kathy Clagus or Gettard or that shithead John Engler or any of these morons running the, the university at this point. It's nice to actually talk about the program itself, but I would much rather be talking about this motherfucker after they get to a Final Four or at least a Sweet 16. Is that too much to ask? I don't need this program being the team, the team, the team, and those who stay will be champions. Get the fuck out of here. You haven't won a title since 1997. You had to split that. You've won one title since television was invented and Jim Crow ended. I don't want MSU to be that. Not MSU basketball, not MSU football. All the other BS aside, all the other, all the other crap with what that program is allowed to go on outside the field and off the court, all that shoved to the side for right now. I don't need this program turning into that, turning into a shell. Sort yourself out, Tom Izzo. Sort yourself out, MSU basketball. Please. Nothing wrong with football having success, but I'm greedy. And nothing was better than that nice little stretch, that nice little window, that pocket where MSU football and basketball lorded over the state like Darth Vader. Lorded over the Big Ten. Go out there and score 53 points against a Syracuse team. That is trash. Yeah, I said it, Syracuse fan. You can't even sit here and tell me that Syracuse team is any good because you didn't think they were winning Sunday either. Out of here. 
Coming up, what I was going to talk about on this week's show, dealt with another basketball team that's been falling on its face, but at least this one I saw coming. I'm going to talk about the Pistons because we need to have a serious discussion about them too. Because right now, it looks like they just kind of sold themselves down the road of mediocrity. Name's Jay Scott Smith. I'm a pissed off Spartan who just wants his team and his program to act right on the court and off of it. This is episode 71. Setentai Uno, JSC Radio. We'll be back after this. Check it out. It's JSC Radio. People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. <laughs> hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Now if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio. What the hell has happened to the Detroit Pistons? When Blake Griffin arrived, particularly in the Eastern Conference, we were looking at the Detroit Pistons and saying, yo, they can make some noise. They you can were, do something. I wasn't. That's you fair. Were. That's fair. You are, you're absolutely right about that, Max. I was. Because I said in the East, with Blake and Drummond, Ish Smith, I like him. Reggie, you know, Reggie Jackson and those boys, they can play. Something is not right. And we need to have a conversation. It's about one of the two or both. It's either about Blake Griffin or it's about Stan Van Gundy, five years, $35 million, you know, running basketball operations and coaching. It's either one of them or both of them. But something is not right. With this picture, I expected more from the Detroit Pistons, oh, and I ain't I'm getting gonna leave, it. I'm going to leave the Cavs alone. I'm going to leave the Cavs alone. I got you right now. Sure. It's about neither one of those guys. It's not about Stan Van Gundy. It's not about Blake Griffin. That's Andre Drummond. Their best player until recently is not actually as good as you think he is. Yeah, I, I, I can't say I disagree with that at all, by the way, gentlemen. This is the 71st episode of the People's Podcast. This is Jay SC Radio. Jay Scott Smith here. Welcome back. Still pissed off. I'm going to be pissed off about MSU basketball for a while, y'all. So uh, that that was just a taste 
This is what happens when you gave me a couple of days to cool off how pissed off I am. Once again, thank each and every one of y'all for supporting this show on the various podcast outlets, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Google Play or Stitcher or SoundCloud. Be sure to hit up SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash JSC Radio. Whether you're on the TuneIn app, check that out. I'm out there too. Wherever you want to find the show, it's likely out there, but I thank you so much for your support. Of course, be sure to hit up the Patreon page, patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and naturally, holla at the mothership. That's jscottsmith.com. want to also throw a quick shout out to my girl Jasmine Duke. Her book, I'm Black and I Have a Dad, is still out there. Go cop it on Amazon. It is still available. She's still putting out copies. And I want to shout out everybody again who shows love to this show every single damn week right here on JSC Radio. So you heard there, coming out of the break, that was Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. That's from a couple weeks ago, talking about the Pistons. Well... Pistons still suck, and uh, it hasn't changed in the last two weeks. In fact, it's actually gotten worse. Up until the last couple of days where they finally decided to win some games when they had tumbled all the way to 30 and 39, nine games under 500. they're not making the playoffs. This, this, this pipe dream that somehow the Pistons were going to just back into the playoffs and everything would be hunky-dory. No, 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 no. That's not happening. This is over. So it's time to, it's time to talk about this. Stephen, Stephen A. and Max kind of touched on it a little bit. This Piston franchise, and I've talked about this at the beginning of the season when the Pistons got off to that uncharacteristically good start. Remember, there was a point this year where the Pistons were 14 and 6 and 19 and 14. That's a nice number, by the way, but you know. They were 19 and 14. Let me say that again. They were 19 and 14. They've since gone 11 and 25. Well, no, no, they're not 11, 13. Excuse me, they got the two wins. They've since gone 13 and 25 to go from first in the East at one point to ninth with zero chance of catching up at number eight. None. They're donezo. This is a team that plays in in front of one of the more sparse crowds you'll see in the NBA. They're 19th in attendance, and there's a reason for that. They're 19th in attendance at a brand new arena. They can't sell out a brand new arena. I was talking about that back in November. They couldn't sell out a brand new damn arena with that team. Offensively, they score 102 points per game. That's fourth from the bottom in the NBA. Now, defensively, they give up 104 points per game, which is actually seventh. So, they're in a lot of these games, as you see, but that's deceptive. Their offensive rating is 23rd. Defensive rating is 11th. They're actually a decent defensive team when they want to be, but never really good enough. You look at this team, you look at what they've got, and you say to yourself, what is this? Just going up the the roster of this team, because I'm going to take a second here, because it's hard to figure what the hell to do. When you look at this team, you've got the likes of Stanley Johnson. You heard the aforementioned Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith. Then we get into James Ennis and Henry Ellenson, Luke Kennard, the guy that Stan Van Gundy took in front of Donovan Mitchell, who was ripping the league's face off in Utah right now. You got Langston Galloway and Eric Moreland and Anthony Tolliver and Dwight. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Is it Buicks? Is it... Is it, it well, how do you pronounce his name? It, it's it's pronounced bikes. Okay, Dwight Bikes and, and who the hell are these guys? 
You got Jameer Nelson, who when when Jameer, when you were in college at the same time I was in college, that's a while ago. Jameer Nelson, who's on the team, but not really. And and yes, I intentionally skipped over a couple of names. Because a couple of names were mentioned there by Stephen A. and Max, and that's Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Now I did the show the day that the Clippers shipped Blake Griffin out to Detroit. And I knew at the time it was not a good move. It was a move that reeked of desperation. At that point, the Pistons had lost like five or six straight games. They were they were about three, four games under 500. And Van Gundy panicked, traded his two best wing players to the Clippers, who have magically become a playoff team since then, have traded his two best wing players to the Clippers for... Blake Griffin and a couple of dudes who I don't think actually saw the floor at all in Detroit. And after that first game that they played where they barely won, they beat a terrible Memphis team. They actually won their first four games in a row. There were people actually running around comparing the Blake Griffin trade to the Rasheed Wallace deal. Let me stop you. The Rasheed Wallace trade turned a really good Piston team that had just made the conference finals the season before into an NBA champion. That's what the Blake Griffin trade was. The Blake Griffin trade was a seismic event in the history of Detroit sports. It literally changed the Piston franchise. The Blake Griffin trade has done nothing but trade away a potential top 10 lottery pick for this lark, this idea that Blake Griffin was just magically going to turn the Pistons into Lob City. Let me explain something here. Blake Griffin is a pretty good player, and he's managed not to get hurt yet since he got to Detroit. Andre Drummond is not DeAndre Jordan, and Reggie Jackson for damn sure ain't Chris Paul. And I understand Detroiters are so desperate for stars, but but no star will ever come to Detroit, so we had to trade for him. Aren't you happy? He's a star. You should be jumping for joy. They have a superstar. Blake Griffin's not a superstar. Sorry to break that to you. He's not. And neither is Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, as you recall, is a superstar in his mind only. He's the only guy on earth who honestly thought that he should be starting ahead of Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City. He wore out his welcome in Oklahoma City and got dumped in Detroit. And Stan Van Gundy, who apparently pictured him being like Jameer Nelson, poured a bunch of money on him because it was mentioned that Stan Van Gundy is the guy who put this team together. Jeff Bauer is listed as the team executive, but he basically has no power. He does what Van Gundy tells him. The guy who runs this team is Stan Van Gundy. Because Tom Gorris is off by the pool in Beverly Hills, California. He ain't nowhere to be seen. That's how the likes of Dwight Bikes and John Luer. John Luer. John Luer. I couldn't. John Luer played at the University of Wisconsin. I do not remember him being at Wisconsin. And again, you have to understand, I'm a Michigan State basketball guy. I'm a Big Ten basketball guy. I'd never heard of John Luer until the Pistons signed him to that crazy-ass amount of money. Literally did not know who he was. I didn't know he played at Wisconsin. I couldn't name too many Wisconsin players over the past 
15, 20 years, other than like Michael Finley and Frank Kaminsky and maybe a couple other dudes, but I would have remembered John Lure. John Lure, who? And he was like a a middle-of-the-road bench player in Phoenix, and Van Gundy paid him stupid money to come to Detroit. Henry Ellenson is another one. Who, Henry Ellenson running around out here wearing Darvin Ham's number eight. Luke Kennard. Eric Moreland. Who are these guys? Did any of you really think the Pistons were a playoff team? Even with Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, hey, he's played admirably since he got to Detroit. And yeah, he just went on ESPN's Undefeated and talked about, now I know what a franchise looks like. Well, well, dude, you were with the Clippers. That ain't saying much. Especially these days because the Pistons and the Clippers are about on even footing. Hell, you might argue the Clippers might be a little bit better because they're probably making the playoffs and the Pistons aren't coming close. Since the playoffs are seemingly the marker for this team. It's not actually competing. It's not actually contending. It's just looking like you're contending. As I said in the episode when Griffin got traded there, the Pistons are almost like the Lions in this aspect, that they want to put more effort into looking like they're a contending team than actually being a contending team, which takes a lot of hard work. That brings me to Andre Drummond. I've joked about it. I've talked about it in other interviews. I've talked about it to people before whenever we talk about the Pistons. I laugh. We, we crack jokes about it on Twitter. Look, Andre Drummond is a hell of a player in terms of what he can do as a rebounder and as a shot blocker, which is odd because he's one of the league's best shot blockers, but the Pistons are one of the league's worst shot blocking teams. He's one of the league's best rebounders, but they're a middle-of-the-road rebounding team. It makes no sense. And Andre Drummond had that great game earlier this year in Boston when the Pistons were actually looking kind of like a pretty decent NBA team. Where for a hot second, I almost got pump faked into believing they could be something. But Andre Drummond, who's been in the league, this is his fifth season in the NBA. Andre Drummond still couldn't find a damn post move anywhere. Go on Amazon and buy one. Someplace. Any place, anywhere, Bueller finds you a post move, a dude that big, he's seven feet tall, and I know you can't teach that, he's seven feet tall, 280 pounds, he can get a 20 rebound game in his sleep, but he can't do anything else other than tip ball in, tip back dunk, make half his free throws, which is an improvement for him. If the man found one post move, he's Anthony Davis. But the problem is, he already thinks he's Anthony Davis. There's a lot of that. And I noticed that, especially on these Detroit teams that aren't any good. The Detroit teams like the Lions, who for years, and they just got rid of a guy who thought he was better than what he was, which is already addition by subtraction. Eric Ebron walked around here thinking he was a Hall of Famer and an All-Pro. And he wasn't really that good. Andre Drummond is better than Eric Ebron. I'll give him that. But he still ain't that good. Not as good as he should be. A guy with his athleticism, as big as he is, 
if he mixed in one post move. I'm not asking this guy to get back and start putting up 10 to 12 foot jumpers. I'm asking him if you toss him that ball on the low block that he makes something happen. Shaq had one post move, but that one post move made him a Hall of Famer. You dump it to Shaq on the low block and let him back down whatever poor bastard ended up having to deal with him down there. And he was either A, going to simply jump over you and dunk on you and embarrass you like the gift of what he did to Chris Dudley back in 1999. He's either going to do that and simply smash on you. You're going to have to foul him to keep him from scoring. Or maybe if you're lucky, he'll pass it out of the post, but get it right back and give you that work again. Best case scenario for you might be you might strip him. You might be like Ben Wallace and get up there and block him. But that's all you're going to do. And that's what I wonder about Andre Drummond. Because he has points where he looks like a dominant force down low. And then he has other points where he looks lost. And that's scary. I never understood the idea that when they traded for Blake Griffin, that just automatically made them a playoff team. They were five under 500 when they got him. They only got back to 500 for one day. I think they got over 500 for maybe a second and then lost seven or eight games in a row and fell off the damn table. They were never a playoff team. And to mortgage essentially your future to do what? Sneak into the playoffs and get DeMar DeRozan again? Did you remember that dunk that DeMar DeRozan unleashed on them a couple weeks ago? DeRozan has 25 and a half. DeMar DeRozan, six to go, got all the way to the bucket. Oh, DeMar! Oh, oh, dynamite! Detonates on Detroit! Watch this. He just took that ball from the opposite foul line right down the middle of the court, and he goes up strong, two-handed jam dunk, and he gets fouled. And one. What a finish. That's what an all-star looks like, folks. Is that is that what you wanted, Piston fan? Is that what you wanted? You We wanted that? You wanted four games of that because that's how long the series was going to go. They weren't going to win. Is that what you wanted? For them to back in at number eight and get backed over by the Raptors or get backed over by Cleveland or get backed over by Boston? Is that what you wanted? That if they somehow got lucky and got to the seven spot, is that what you wanted? Oh, don't give me that crap about playoff experience. How how well did that do them two years ago when they got to the playoffs and got swept right on out in four days? Not even four games. It took like four days and they were gone. What did that do for them? I don't care about just making the playoffs. If Especially the way the NBA is today, if there is no chance of you legitimately contending, blow it up. I'm out here in Philadelphia. The 76ers are really damn good. The 76ers are at least two years ahead of schedule. I said that on JSC TV, and that'll be back this Saturday. But the 76ers, they're at least a year and a half to two years ahead of schedule. I figured they were going to be a marginal playoff team this year. They needed a year to get their chemistry right, to get their shit together. No, no, no. They're probably going to be a top five seed in the East. They might get home court for round one. The Sixers, they're on their way to their first winning season in in half a decade. While the Pistons and stubborn-ass Stan Van Gundy just keep 
banging their head up against the wall, refusing to, you know, blow the shit up. Instead of trading for Blake Griffin, trading for this star you desperately need in this ill-advised notion that all you needed was a star player and you're going to take off in the East when you needed more than that. Reggie Jackson, get rid of him. Reggie Jackson is a backup point guard on a great team. On a great team. On a team that actually has a chance of doing something. Look at the OKC teams that he was on. He was a great backup. Reggie Jackson is essentially... Rodney Stuckey 2.0. A hell of a hand on an already established team, but not the guy I'm putting the who I'm putting the ball in his hands to lead us. It's not happening. These Pistons are Lord knows how far they are from competing. Because Stan Van Gundy has put them in this untenable position where they're essentially going to be middle of the road mediocre for about the next three to five years where the NBA is set up for you to either be a have or a have not. Being in the middle, being a team that wins 35 to 40 games a year, don't mean shit. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean a damn thing. You win 35, 37, 38, 41, maybe, maybe, maybe 41. You might get to 500. And if you get to 500 in the East, you just might creep in at number eight and get your head knocked off. That's not competing. And you can have all the talk about superstars and Detroit proud and all that. Give me something tangible or blow it up. I'd rather watch them just go out there and lose 60 games and get a top two or three pick in the draft than come out here and win 36, 37 games, miss the playoffs by like a mile, and trade away your lottery pick because you just knew all you needed was a star. We have a star. That's it. We're in there. No, you're not. And now you're in this position. You're the one thing that you cannot be in today's NBA. You cannot be mediocre because mediocrity is irrelevance. At least when you're bad, people can make fun of you. People talk about the Brooklyn Nets because they're bad. And they're going to be bad for a while because they gave away a lot of assets. People talk about the Chicago Bulls being bad. The Bulls are going to be back to pretty good within the next two to three years. Because at least they have an idea of just blowing it up and starting over. The Pistons are so damn stubborn or stuck on stupid that they don't want to do that because Stan Van Gundy's got too much pride. And that's why the next thing that needs to happen is Stan Van Gundy needs to be fired. Not just as the general manager or president of basketball operations. I mean, get out. Dunzo. Get him out of here. Start over. I've heard rumblings that Arn Tellum, the former super agent, is planning on taking a more managerial role with the organization. Do it. Couldn't be any worse than where you are now. You might actually get a guy who's willing to do the right thing. I've heard Chauncey Billups is nosing around about getting in and becoming a general manager in the NBA. Let him. Let him. And as soon as he gets there, take that number one off Reggie Jackson, by the way. You retired the number. That means take it off. Stop wearing it. Get yourself a decent coach. And get yourself a mindset, an organizational mindset that's dedicated to doing something other than just, let's just make the playoffs. Let's make the playoffs. If everything, anything can happen, you just make the playoffs. The hell you think this is? 
This is not the NCAA tournament. You can't just sneak into the tournament and hope to get on a little roll and get lucky and win a couple of games. If you make the playoffs, I expect you to do something. If you make the playoffs, I expect you to actually have a chance to win a series. I actually expect you to try to push somebody. Like the Sixers make the playoffs, this city has a little bit of expectation that they don't just go out there and get broomed out in round one. That's what I want. I want some expectations. Making the playoffs ain't good enough. Losers accept just getting in. Winners actually want to do something when they get there. And I'd love to see this franchise get back to winning, but the first thing they got to do is they have to accept that they're losers. I jokingly said this at the beginning of the season. The Pistons are the NBA equivalent of a C-. And when it's either pass or fail league, a C- ain't good enough. You're either an A or you're an F. The Pistons are doing just enough to not get an F but not enough to actually get an A. So they got to do something to change that ASAP. My name is Jay Scott Smith, telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always there to be different. Always. Not even going to give it to you this week. Always have your pet spayed or neutered. Remember to adopt and not buy. And we are out of here. I got something special coming for you all in the next couple of weeks. Not going to let the cat out of the bag yet. But um, I think we might have ourselves a major league guest coming on this show very soon. But you got to stay tuned to find out who that might be. Until then, goodbye, everybody. What the hell has happened to the Detroit Pistons? Check, 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 check it out. This is JSC Radio. heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.